Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. This podcast is about all things outdoor photography, including landscapes, wildlife, macro, and more. The show features two talented photographers, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, who bring their different experiences in photography to the podcast. The show is released weekly every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. In today's episode, Henry and Ryan get to talk to Hector Astorga, a full-time wildlife photographer based in South Texas. Hector leads tours and workshops across the world, including Africa, North, Central, and South America. He has won multiple awards and competitions, including ones hosted by Nature's Best Photography, National Wildlife Federation, and NAMPA. His images are featured in magazines like Audubon, National Geographic, Ranger Rick, and Texas Parks and Wildlife. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Welcome back to episode 61 of the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. Today, we're having a talented wildlife photographer on the show. Yes, we have Hector Astorga on the show. Welcome, Hector. Uh, Go ahead and tell us more about your photography and your background and who you are. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, Yeah, my name is uh, Hector Astorga. I'm a wildlife photographer based in uh, South Texas. A lot of people know me because I am the uh, I run the Santa Clara Ranch here in uh, here you know outside of McAllen, Texas. We are a uh, photo ranch uh, that hosts photographers from pretty much all over the globe. Uh, we've been running the ranch now for about 12, 13 years. Uh, on top of that, I'm also I also do uh, photo workshops uh, pretty much everywhere, all over North, Central, and South America. I go to uh, Africa, a couple locations in Africa, and also in Scandinavia. I'm primarily a wildlife photographer. I do a little bit of work in landscape and some other, you know, some of the other genres of photography. But most of my work is in is in wildlife. Um, and um, doing this seriously for the last uh, for the last, like I say, 10, 12 years, and full time for the last six. That's really cool. Yeah. What made you want to get in photography? You know, photography for me was it started as a as a hobby back when I was in my teenage years. My father was a photographer. Now, my father was not a wildlife photographer. He was just into photography. You know, a photography mm-hmm. hobbyist. He had a you know he had a small dark room and you know was all into that. Uh, and oh, wow. you know, I picked it, I picked it up uh, back then. You know, this is back in the back in the in the eighties. Uh, and then I kind of lost interest in it. And then uh, now I've been an outdoorsman pretty much my entire life. I love uh, being outdoors. Everything from uh, hiking, hunting, fishing, you know, camping. That's always been something I've done pretty much my entire life. So when I picked the photography again, uh, you know, uh, uh, back in 2006, it was something that I wanted to add to my outdoor activities. And uh, the interest in photography had always been there since, you know, since my teenage years. So it's something that really, really took off. I mean, I really got into it and um, it's... um, it's been a great 12 years, to be honest with you, <laughs> the last 12 years uh, doing it now uh, as, a, as a job and as a, uh, you know, um, and uh, I, can't, um, I can't be happier to be doing what I do now. Awesome. Yeah, so 12 years ago, we were probably right on the edge of, like, film and digital, so where did you start Correct. with there? Yeah, I got serious in 2006 when it had just switched over. Okay. Uh, you know, I did play with it, of course, back in the film days. You know, I, I shot slides mm-hmm. and I did all that. But again, it, back then it was just a hobby, something that I did uh, on my spare time. Uh, once I got serious, that was back in 2006 when digital had just really pretty much, you know, taken over film. Film was, if not dead, pretty close to being dead by then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so pretty much my entire professional career has been in digital. Awesome. Yeah, that's – I mean, film is definitely – um, you know, it can create a unique look, but I think for wildlife, you're going to want digital in pretty much all scenarios. So, no, it's just so much easier for everything that we do. You know, as, as wildlife yeah. photographers, one of the things we don't have, of course, is the luxury of time because things happen in an instant. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right. and uh, so, of course, digital was a game changer and uh, it's just so much easier now compared to what it was back in the film days. Mm-hmm. Uh, now with even, even now even with with the with all these new mirrorless technology and all the new uh, all the new technology that, that these new camera bodies are coming out, it's making it easier and easier for us. So, yeah, yes, digital to me was definitely a game changer. That's awesome. Yeah, did you carry over any kind of like film knowledge? Like, do you do you do a lot of editing, kind of, or do you lead back to the film days and just kind of you know work you know, with what you got? I kind of work with what I got. I'm a, I'm a, I truly believe that if we can, you know, if, if you can get it right in camera, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, your, your final product is much better. Um, 
not that I don't like editing in the computer, but it's out of all the things that I do, it's probably the one I like the least. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't yeah. spend much time, you know, I don't like to spend hours in, in front of the computer editing. Not only that, I shoot so much that I really don't have the time. If mm -hmm. I have to work on an image more than five minutes, it's just too long. Uh, my yeah. my um, my time is just, uh, I mean, I just don't have it. I mean, for example, today, I've been out today photographing with clients, you know, just today I shot, uh, you know, I don't know, 1200 images. And then uh, I, I, I'm done with one shoot and then two days later I'm in another one. So yeah. uh, I have to, my workflow has to be quick uh, because I just have, I don't have the luxury of time to sit there and, you know, and work on images for days. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer to try to get it right in camera as, as close as possible. And of course, you know, there is some editing that needs to be done. All images need it, you know, in the digital world. <laughs> but but the, 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 the less you have to do in post, to me, the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Explains to us like maybe like the calling process for imagery, like when you really sit back and look at them, like what do you really look for as being like a standout in your portfolio? You know, basically for me is uh, when, I'm, when I'm shooting, the ones I really like is something that stands out from the rest, something unique, a, a, you know, a unique perspective or something that has, you know, great depth, a great background. Uh, you capture it, you know, or when you capture some, you know, unique behavior, that's kind of what stands out for me. Uh, those are the ones that are really kind of, you know, that's the kind of the images that I'm after. Uh, so when I'm shooting something, you know, and, uh, you know, it's always in the back of your mind by the time you get to the computer that where, you know, where you got something like that, you know, throughout the day, right? So usually, you know, what I do is I'll download, you know, the, all the raw files for that day. And I kind of know on where to go where I got that one image or that one sequence of images that I know that I want to work on, that I know that I want to actually, you know, process. Uh, and again, it's usually something like that. It's a unique perspective, you know, golden light, uh, capturing behavior, uh, you know, something that stands out from the rest. Something, you know, you're shooting a subject. It doesn't have to be a, a very unique subject. It can be a common subject, let's say like a cardinal or a granger for us here in Texas. But if you captured it, you, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a specific perspective that's not normal, or you captured it in some, you know, some extraordinary conditions like golden light, perfect background, landing wing flare or something like that that's kind of what i look for and i go back to you know once i'm in the in the processing you know mode uh to so those are the images that i'm going to work on and those are the images that i'm going to you know save onto my you know onto my catalogs of the images that i really really like myself it's awesome yeah that's that's a great process there uh, do you kind of instantly export those or do you just kind of leave them in your catalog for a while and get to export you know, them later Basically, what I do is I'll download, you know, I'll download all the images for the day. I don't sit, I'll be honest with you, I don't sit down and delete because, again, I don't have time. So, mm -hmm. memories, to me, memory is less expensive than my time. So, I'll, what I'll do is I'll download everything and I'll work on the images that I do like. And those get saved on my RAID system at, you know, on my main computer. And they also get saved on the, on the drives where I download everything. Uh, and then I just move on to the next day. Uh, yeah. So, I really don't sit there and start you know let's say i shot a thousand images a day in that day i might work on maybe 15 of them 20 of them if, if that mm -hmm. and then but i don't delete all the rest they just kind of stay there it's what i call the bulk so and and the reason i leave them there is because later on i might come back and i might not, i might need something from from that shoot and i have plenty to pick from and again mm -hmm. you know memory is becoming cheaper and cheaper nowadays so to me it's it's easy to just download everything, grab what I want, you know, save what I want that I processed, and then just leave the rest there. And you know, I could always come back to them later. Uh, yeah. And then as my drives fill up, I just get another drive. <laughs> for, me to, for me to sit there and you know go through fifteen hundred images and delete what I want and delete what I don't, you know, and not delete what I don't want, it just takes it just takes too long. Oh yeah, so it, it takes hours. That's understandable. Correct. Mm -hmm. Exhausting. So I just you know I'll go through them. Okay, this one I like. I'll work on that one. This one I like. I'll work on that one. And the rest just stay there. I mean, I'll just, you know, and, and again, it's a good backup to have. So later on, if I do need to go back to a certain shoot, I have plenty to pick from. So in terms of that bulk images that you mentioned, like, do you or have you shot stock photography? Is that like a place where you upload them to? No, I don't. I don't do much stock uh, photography. I, I do sell to magazines. I get the want list from different magazines, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, when I get the want list, I'll I'll go back to if, if, if there's something there that they, they're looking for. I'll go back to my archives and you know pull from there, uh, but the bulk of my work, I would say, as a professional photographer, is uh, you know leading photographer, you know leading photographers, guiding photographers here, here in South Texas, and of course my photo tours and workshops. That I would say that's about uh, seventy percent of my work. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you want to tell us a bit more about kind of your workshops and how those started and what you do today? Yeah, sure. You know, I started guiding at the ranch when we built the ranch and, uh, you know, started guiding photographers down here in South Texas. And, uh, and of course, I was traveling for my own photography back then. And through social media and some different forums that I was a member of, people started to see my work and they started asking me, hey, I see that you went uh, here, you know, are you, are you ever going to take a group out there? Are you ever take a client out there? Because I was already getting clients at the ranch here in South Texas. And at the time, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really interested in doing something like that because, you know, the whole logistics and the whole, you know, taking people out of the state or out of the country just was not something that appealed to me. But I just kept getting more and more and more requests. So I said, you know what, I'll do one. And uh, I decided to do one workshop at Bosque de la Pache in New Mexico because it was a place that I knew really well. Uh, easy shooting, a lot of targets, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of things you can shoot. So yeah. I said, it, it should go well there. And uh, this was back in, uh, if I remember correctly, this was back in 2012 or 2011 around there. Uh, so I did one, you know, I took four clients. I said, I'll take four people to Bosque. So I, I took four clients to Bosque La Pache. We did four days out there. I came back and I was like, that was easy. You know, that was, that, that went very well. Maybe I'll do another one. And uh, I just started very small, one, you know, two workshops a year, three workshops a year, you know, on top of what I already did at the ranch. Now at the ranch, I've been doing workshops for a long time, but that's home. So that was not really traveling. Um, But uh, I just started doing, you know, one or two every so often. And then it went to three and then it went to four to what it is today. Uh, This year, I have 22 workshops worldwide. Uh, I already did two, and I'm starting number three, you know, this week. So I, I have 19 to go before the year's over. So that's how busy it's become. And uh, and I'm not complaining. It's great. I mean, I love what I do. Um, I get to travel all over the world with clients, and uh, we get to go to photograph at some fantastic locations. And um, But I, again, I started very small, and I just kept growing it, growing it to what it is today. Now, I must say that this year, the reason I have so many, I normally don't do 22 workshops in one year. Is because of course because the last two years because of COVID a lot of stuff has been postponed, so mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still making up you know trips and and workshops that didn't go two years ago and didn't go last year because of the because of the pandemic. If everything goes as you know if everything goes this year and we don't get shut down or we, you know we get to travel to everywhere we want to go, I'll be back to normal for you know next year, and I normally do about uh, you know 15, 15 workshops a year. Wow. So. This year, of course, I have quite a bit more because, again, of all the stuff that has been postponed, all the stuff that we're making up. Right. It's like you're basically playing catch-up at that point. Yeah. Yeah. This year is still catch-up. I mean, I'm, we're still in catch-up mode, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we still get to go everywhere we want, you know, we need to go, that nothing gets, you know, nothing gets uh, canceled or, or postponed. And if that happens, I'll be back to my regular schedule for next year. And no complaints. I mean, it is a lot of work this year. You know, I'm going to be gone a lot. But uh, it's better than the alternative from two years ago that we were that we sat at home for ten months doing nothing, you know. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure, <laughs> for sure, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, so it's all good. I mean, I, I believe me, I'm not complaining. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, and I love what I do. I love this. I love going out with clients. I love going out with fellow photographers to photograph. And uh, you know, it is work for me. But you know, you know the saying: if you love what you do, if you love, you know, if you love your work, it ain't work. I'm a true believer in that. I'm very blessed that I am living that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. One quick look at your website. I mean, it shows like sold out workshops in like Finland, Costa Rica, Guatemala, like, you, you know, congrats on all that success. That's pretty great. Thank you. Thank you. I've been uh, I've been very blessed that, uh, you know, uh, I would say about four or five years ago, uh, once I, you know, started getting a, a, a decent following and people started meeting me and and of course, the people that come to the ranch. Uh, my problem is that my workshops sell out quickly and uh, the spaces go quickly. It's a good problem to have, you know, and that's why that's why I do a lot of, uh, you know, two workshops. Like, for example, like in Finland, I just got back from Finland. I was out there for 21 days. I did back to back because, you know, one workshop fills up. I'm already there. I'll just do another one. Um, and also I'm a big believer in small groups. All my workshops are very small in terms of participants. If I'm by myself, I don't do any more than, you know, if it's just me leading, I'll do, uh, you know, four or six people tops. If I have a co-leader, I only go up to eight. 
that's I don't have any workshops that are bigger than eight because I, I do believe in the small workshop group because you mm -hmm. know the, the participant gets a lot more it is easier for us and being that it's photography of course you know we um, you want to give your, your your client the attention that they need because you know these are instructional mm -hmm. tours okay. and if you have too much people it's just not as enjoyable as a smaller group so you're not necessarily just guiding them to the sites you're teaching them along the way as well that is correct. Yes, all my okay. all my trips are instructional photo trips. You know, so awesome. uh, it's uh, it's an instructional trip, uh, and I have clients of you know of every different level. I have some clients that are very advanced. I have some clients mm -hmm. that are very new, and uh, so I get a little bit of everything. Yeah. And uh, but but still, you know, these are instructional photo workshops, and uh, uh, you know, throughout the whole workshop is a teaching type of environment. Cool. That's awesome. Is it all in the field based, or do you ever do any kind of editing stuff with them? I would say I would say that with me, it's going to be about ninety five percent in the field. Okay. Uh, I do I do offer some uh, classroom type stuff, but that that's more of the webinars and the different things that I offer. But mm -hmm. on trips, on trips, uh, my trips are are really targeted to be in the field and to spend as much time in the field as possible. Uh, yeah. We have a saying on my trips: photography trumps everything. If it's good and we need to skip lunch, we will skip lunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Photography oh, yeah. trumps everything. <laughs> right. So, uh, so you know, it, it is mostly in the field type of, you know, type of shooting. We, you know, we, we've been in Africa. We've been in Kenya some days that it's so good that we leave the camp at 6. We don't go back till 6 o'clock at night. Wow. We're out all day long. Now, we'll have snacks and we'll have things for people. Of course, we're prepared for that. But uh, if it's really good, we'll skip lunch. I mean, again, photography trumps everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, they're, they're, I do, I, again, you know, sometimes, you know, what, what will happen is like during our break times, I'll tell clients, if you have any questions regarding processing, just bring your computer out here to the, you know, to the dining room area or wherever the main area is, wherever we're staying. And I'll go over different things with them. I'll teach them, you know, how to process something and things like that. But it's not really something that's part of the, you know, the schedule. The schedule is to be out in the field. And then in our downtime, I will help them with uh, processing or any kind of questions they might have, you know. Yeah, for sure. I feel like with wildlife in particular, it's like, of course, editing the images is important, but like the experience, I think, of just actually being out there and viewing it, photographing, it's really what people might be after too. We, we know with my groups, that's what I that's what I found out. You know, you know, now that I've been doing this as long as I have, and uh, people want to be in the field. You know, they're they, you know they're they're going to Africa with you for twenty days. They want to spend those twenty days out in the field. You know, and. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, it's uh, you know they're at a you know we're, we go to some really really good locations where the where the activity is good you know target heavy and uh, they want to spend out you know as much time out there as they can you know so um, that's what I found out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. However, you're like in the field. I mean, your workshops abroad, like compared to like doing them at the ranch, so said per se. Well, you know, the one thing that I've always looked for when I look at new locations on where to do, you know, where to do trips and where to do tours, uh, photography at the Santa Clara Ranch is very easy. You know, everything has been set up ready for photography. Our blinds are set for optimal light, optimal distance to the subject. We pushed our backgrounds back enough so you can blur out the backgrounds. The awesome. angles are all, you know, everything's been set up already. So it's very easy photography. You get into our blind and it's set up. I mean, if you know, Everything lands 15, 20 feet away. Perfect perch, perfect light, perfect background, perfect perspective because it's set up that way. So when I look for workshop locations, that's what I look for. Uh, Costa Rica is a great example because people always ask me, I wanna go on a Costa Rica trip, but how much hiking do we do? How much walking do we do? Our longest hike is five minutes. Wow. Uh, because we shoot from decks that are already established. We shoot from blinds that are already established. Uh, you know, so I try to find the same thing that we've done at the ranch at the locations that, that I go to. Like I mentioned earlier, I just got back from Finland. Um, we shoot, you know, we, our main target when we're in Finland is golden eagles, but we're photographing from blinds that are established where the eagles are going to be 20, 25 feet away, where the angle's perfect, the light is great. It's minus 21 degrees out outside, but the, the blinds are heated, so you're comfortably sitting in a blind, you know, uh, photographing, you know, eagles in some extreme conditions. So, you know, that's why I go there, because 
the you know it's it, it's a it's a photography location that's already established and it's easy photography for you know for 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 a client uh in other words we're not going to be hiking in minus 20 degree weather trying to find an eagle where we're going to shoot it backlit you know 50 feet up in the air with twigs in the way right um so i try to find locations that you know that give me this um so that's kind of what I like to do when I'm when I'm scouting for different locations and where to go. Uh, of course, Africa would be a little bit different because Africa weren't safari eagles, but I love Kenya for that reason because the Maasai Mara is you know the grasslands, the photography conditions there are great. You know, uh, it's open, you can get low, you can you know you can get some fantastic you know it's good light, uh, and um, you can get some really really good uh, you know you know uh, images. You know, you can create some really good images out there because the conditions exist for that. Um, so that's kind of what I look for when I'm looking at, you know, when I'm looking at locations on, on where to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think like a common mistake, you, you kind of mentioned this is when you start out, you just walk through the woods aimlessly, you know, looking for this, maybe one subject or multiple subjects. And then, like you said, you get those weird, you know, backlit way up in the tree shots. So I think it's yeah, interesting yeah. how you find these established locations, you know, the birds get used to them and you, know, you can get way closer shots than you could ever get. It's a great point. I mean, and, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, most of the people that do these trips, uh, a lot of my clients are retired folks. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some trips that, you know, I, you know, there's some locations that are very, very good that may, maybe take an hour, two hours to get to by foot. A lot of my clients wouldn't be able to do that physically. So I have yeah. to look for locations of what my, my clientele can do. You know, a lot of my clients are retired people that love to do photography, that love wildlife, but physically, you know, something as physically demanding as a two-hour hike is just not possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you always have to, you know, when you when you scout a location, you're looking for great photographic conditions, but also seeing what kind of physical level a, a person will have to, you know, you know what they would have to do to get there. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that, of course, I'm always looking for. Yeah, uh, when I'm looking, when I'm looking at locations. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like the ranch almost seems like it's you're photographing in like controlled conditions and settings to get those optimal photographs too. That is correct. And you know, for example, at the ranch, you, we drive up to the blind. So <laughs> there is literally no hiking, you know, uh-huh. and uh, so it's super easy. You're, you know, our blinds are sunken blinds, they're three feet underground. That way, when the animals come to the water holes, your, 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 you know, your lens is literally at ground level. But you're sitting comfortably in a chair versus laying down on the ground on your stomach shooting up a ground pod, right? <laughs> so we've made it that you can get some unique perspectives, some really unique angles in a very comfortable situation, you know, sitting in a chair in a blind that's sunken three feet down in the ground. Um, so that's kind of what I look for when I'm looking at locations where I can find places like this. And they're they're out there, you know, they're out there because, um, you know, um, you know, there's, you know, wildlife photography is becoming more and more popular everywhere. And... Um, a lot of these places are going up and people are, you know, a lot of, a lot of pros like ourselves are understanding that our clients is, this is what our clients are looking for. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to these locations. Uh, this past year, I scouted a Simanga Game Reserve in South Africa and they're high. Well, you know, what we call blinds, they call hides, right? Their hides are just unbelievable. I mean, um, some of the best photography, you know, hides I've ever seen. And, um, you know, you're in a blind that's sunken underground, um, and you have lions coming up 10 feet away from you drinking from the water hole when wow. you're in the blind where they can't see you and you're at eye, you're at eye level with them as they're coming in to drink and uh you know so the places exist it's just finding them and and and, and getting out there mm-hmm. um, so uh you know it's it's becoming easier for somebody like me to to find good locations uh because more and more are popping up everywhere yeah. I think those blinds probably also help close that skill gap a little bit. You know, if you get a beginner, you know, you can put some blinds, you can kind of help them improve their settings. And Oh, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. No, the, some of the images that people are able to create now because of the conditions that these blinds are, are built in, you know, the, the what you get from, you know, shooting from a blind, you don't have to be a pro to get some fantastic imagery because, of course, everything has been pre-planned for, the, you know, for the high to give you that already. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, how much time in the field is like spent on the workshops versus just like you out there photographing alone or with a group? Well, m- me personally, of course, I, I this year is a little different because I'm doing quite a bit. But uh, when I do go out to photograph by myself, you know, I it's very different than I'm like very different. I shoot very differently than I, like if I'm with a client. Uh, when I when I'm out there by myself shooting for me, 
I'm very target oriented. So in other words, let's say I'm at the ranch by myself and I'm gonna go out to shoot. I have something specific or a, sub, a specific subject that I wanna target. So let's say I wanna do road runners. I go out with road runners in my mind and that's all I concentrate all my efforts for. I'll set up for a road runner shoot. I'll set up, the, you know, whatever I set up is gonna be to try to get them. Um, so I'm very target oriented when I'm out there by myself. When I'm out there with clients, of course, it's a more general all around type shoot, you know, all the stuff that comes in because, you know, I'm not going to go out with a client and tell them, by the way, we're only going to do roadrunners today. Let's ignore everything else. <laughs> so um, I shoot very differently when I'm by myself than I'm with, than compared to like when I'm with clients. Yeah. Um, now, workshops, of course, uh, in, in, on, on different trips that are very target specific. For example, let's say Finland, when we do that, when we do the Golden Eagles, those hides are built for Golden Eagles. Now, the other birds do show up and we do have a, a you know, setups for other stuff that shows up, like the black woodpecker or the different woodpeckers, the you know Siberian jays and things that show up. But we're really there for eagles, you know. So our efforts are concentrating on the eagles. Right. Yeah. And plus, with the workshops, I mean, you're you're more focused, I imagine, on like just teaching the people and being with them in that moment too. That is correct. That is correct. You know, and and I you know I do shoot uh, when I'm with clients on a workshop, but it's it's not really a priority. I'm there for them. And I'm shooting more to see what's happening in terms of light. Do we need to overexpose, underexpose, and things like that? Um, so uh, it's 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 you know in a workshop situation or in a photo tour situation, I'll have a camera with me. But again, it's just to more more to see what's happening, more to see what's what's going on, so I can tell people, okay, guys, you know, full sun. We're shooting a, a subject that's very light. We need to underexpose this, you know underexposed one stop or whatever it might be, right? Um, so I do have a camera with me, but again, that's not my priority. I'm there for my clients. Yeah, for sure. So shifting gears here a little bit, um, you've featured your images in countless magazines like Nat Geo, Audubon, Nature's Best, and uh, you've been in quite a few competitions and contests like NAMPA's Annual Showcase, National Wildlife Federation. Um, you know, Maybe talk a little bit about how you got into doing those. Yeah, early on, you know, I... Uh, one of the one of the big catalysts for me really for photography taking off for me was competing in the in the wildlife and focus photo contest down here in texas uh if you're not familiar with those it's a it's a pretty brutal contest uh you get assigned to a property and you have uh they give you four months three to four months depending you know every year is a little different but usually about four months and you have to shoot at that property for four months and you have uh, about 100 categories that you have to shoot from birds to mammals to reptiles to special categories like sunsets, you know, sun, you know, sunsets, uh, uh, you know, water feature, you know, they're all different kinds of things. And at the end of the three months, you submit a 100 image portfolio. Uh, now that portfolio gets judged and you can win the different categories. You know, in other words, you can win like the cardinal category and then you can win like the bird division. But the good, the big prizes are the grand prizes, which is basically the best portfolios, the portfolios that scored the best. Um, and they're brutal because, you know, you have a limited amount of time to come up with a hundred good images of stuff that extremely, that the variety is extreme from anywhere from bugs all the way to birds to mammals to sunsets, to landscapes, you name it. So you get to shoot a lot of stuff that you're, it's out of your, you know, out of your comfort zone. Um, I started doing these back in 2008. I ended up doing six of them. And that was a huge catalyst for me because I fell in love with uh, with going out, trying to capture things that, uh, one, was not easy to capture, and two, was stuff that I normally would not go after. Um, so that was a huge catalyst for me in terms of competing. And, you know, I, I was very blessed. I did very well. <laughs> Out of the six that I competed, I did extremely well. Uh, and then I started doing a couple of the national contests, and uh, I, I, I won a couple of them. I won Nature's Best, the wildlife category, Nature's Best. I've been uh, uh, best of showing Nampa a couple times. Um, I've done uh, I've done well. You know, I've done I've done well in, 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 in contests. And... Uh, it's always good to know that you know what you're what you're putting out the work that you're putting out people like it and uh for me it's uh it's you know i i still compete in some of the big ones i don't do as as much as i used to anymore um uh, but it's just good to get your name out there and uh and and to see that you know 
that you're creating imagery that's still appealing. You're creating imagery that's, that's you know sets sets you apart from from the rest. Like I said earlier, I like to create images that are different. I like to create perspectives, things that are not normally seen, or you know capture a, a subject a little bit different, and that will make an image stand out. And then uh, that's usually what I enter in, in photo contests and see you know and see what kind of results I get from them. Yeah, for sure, and it helps you stand out too. I imagine. It, it does. It helps you stand out, and, and I'll be honest with you, it, it keeps it interesting for me. <laughs> it keeps me wanting. It keeps me wanting to do more, you know, because it's a challenge, right? You know, uh, sometimes I'll come up with an idea. I like, you know, I come up with an idea. I, I want to photograph this specific subject this way, and it's going to be, you know, I have to come up with the plan or trying to figure out how to do that. You know, uh, I remember back in the early days before I knew about Photo Trap. I wanted to photograph a flying owl at night, in flight. I wanted to catch a great Whoa. owl in flight at night. Uh, this is before Lofty I knew. Goal. This is before I knew anything about photo trap. With photo trap now, it's easy, right? You know, but this is way before I knew anything on that. And uh, I set up a plan. I kind of knew kind of where they were coming in, and uh, it took me—I don't remember—but it took me about two, three months of about I don't know, 20, 30 nights going out there trying to do it till I finally got it. Um, so I'm very driven, kind of driven for things like that, and I'm still that way, you know. And that's what keeps it interesting. Me, I mean, the, the to me, the photo, of course, is is great, but what I really enjoy is the whole process of of going out there, you know, uh, hunting with a camera, hunting a, a subject, on how you're gonna catch him. You have an idea of, of an angle or perspective that you want to capture, and that in coming up with the plan to do it properly, right? And uh, to me, that's the most interesting part. That's the most interesting thing of what I do. Uh, I really, really enjoy the whole preparation, the whole, and even if you if you fail, I've I've i failed a ton of times, you know, of trying to do something and it just doesn't work. But I'm out there enjoying myself, um, and uh, that's what I really enjoy about wildlife photography. It's just the challenge of coming up with something different, coming up with that unique image, uh, and planning and the, the whole process of getting it. Uh, and of that's, course, getting getting the image in the end, of course, is the is the final prize. But in, and and that's great. But what I really enjoy is the whole process of getting there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I think it's I think it's like it really shows your passion for photography that even with these, you know, in the fifteen workshops a year, you still get out and shoot for yourself. That's that's amazing. I try. I try. I need to. I need to. I need to keep the interest going. <laughs> the interesting going because. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of my clients that are also good friends will tell me, you know, aren't you? Don't you get tired now that it's a job? I said, no, I love doing this. I mean, I really, really love doing this. And uh, but you're right, I do need to get out there by myself. I do, you know, I do scouting trips for that reason. I love scouting trips because on scouting trips, I go by myself. I go with no clients, so I'm shooting for me. Uh, and, uh, and not that I don't enjoy going out with clients. I also I, I really enjoy going out with clients because. I've, you know, uh, what I do is, you know, in the photo tours and the photo workshops, photography is really 50% of the equation. The other 50% is people skills and, 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 and being good in teaching and being good with, uh, with, uh, you know, with people and being able to deal with all different types of personalities. And, uh, and I've always been a people person, you know, so, um, I enjoy doing what I do and then, and, um, uh, but, but you're right, you know, getting out there and, and shooting for yourself, it's it's a must. At least for me, it's a must. You know, to keep that interesting going, to keep that interest going, and to keep that you know that uh, that passion to 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 capture these subjects a, a certain way going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like I go out, I try to go out once a week, and I look at it as almost like practice. Like it's just like rehearsing all your muscle memory with like how to dial in the settings and how to compose Definitely. a photograph. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I get. Clients that come to the ranch and they tell me, Hector, I want to learn how to do this. Let's say, for example, birds in flight is a big thing. Everybody wants to learn how to do birds in flight. And I'll tell them, look, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you settings. I'm going to tell you what focus mode to use. I'm going to tell you, you know, uh, depending on the lens, if you're going to use a gimbal or you're going to use a beanbag. I'm going to give you all everything that you need in terms of the technical stuff to get there. But if you don't go out there and practice, it's just not going to happen for you. So you need yeah. to get out there. I don't care what you shoot. Go out and look. Go to the beach and shoot seagulls all day. I don't care if you don't save it, a single image, but build that mental memory on how to pan with a sub, you know, with with the bird. Uh, learn what dials you need to turn without even thinking. Right? You know, you know, you need to overexpose, underexpose automatically without thinking which wheel of the camera has to turn. Right? 
And that, you know, I can teach you all that, but if you don't do it over and over and over, that mental memory doesn't develop. Mm-hmm. We as wildlife photographers, like I said earlier, we don't have time. Things happen in, in a second. If you're not fast enough in changing your settings in a second, you're going to miss it. And I can teach you what to change and where to change it, but you have to practice it for it to become, you know, normal, you know, without even thinking. You need, you know, you need to overexpose automatically. You know that your thumb, you know, if you have your thumb set to ISO, you know, your thumb wheel is set to ISO and you need to overexpose. Automatically, you need to know that three clicks to the right means one stop on your thumb, right? Or you need to speed up your camera and your, your back wheel is your, is your, is your speed. You need, you need to know that, you know, without thinking, three clicks on that wheel is going to speed you up, you know, from 1600 to 3200, whatever it might be, right? Uh, and that comes with practice. That, that comes with what you just said, building up that mental memory to be faster with our cameras. Because again, as wildlife photographers, we don't have time. We, we you know, mm-hmm. if, if, if you're sitting there trying to figure out what settings to dial in and, and how to crank up your ISO or how to crank up your speed, your subject's gone, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. right? So uh, I, I totally agree with you there, you know, getting out there and, and, and practicing and building that, you know, building that knowledge and building that mental memory so you can so you can be better in the field. Yeah, and that's that's really important to say too cuz like you know, you might even get the shot, you know, you you get your autofocus right, but then you overexpose at two stops and that key white detail on your bird is blown out. So it's it's great right. that you practice that. Yeah, that's I think right. you know, it's great, you know, you, you shoot common subjects and in hopes of practicing for that killer shot someday that or that killer you never, yeah, you never know <laughs> yeah. when it comes. Portfolio so, worthy. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, because clients will tell me, yeah, you know, I, I want to practice, but I don't have a ranch, you know, the ranch like you do. I don't care. Go shoot seagulls. I mean, go shoot something that you have a lot of. And again, even if you don't keep a single image, you're getting that practice. You're building that mental memory, and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just really important with, like, persistence in wildlife photography. Like, you have to keep going out consistently on a consistent basis and really just see what's out there because you're not going to get that great shot every time like that's just the reality of it yeah. mm-hmm. that is correct that is correct mm-hmm. yeah how much of your time in like your solo trips are uh, do you go like travel abroad for those or do you stay more closer to home i go everywhere <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah <laughs> wherever it might be you know uh and it's funny because uh i'm the kind of person that if i get a call tomorrow and it, of course if i have the time like for example i'll give you a good example last year my chili trips did not go uh, because of because of COVID, uh, Chile did not open up their borders. You know they did in, in in theory, but you had to quarantine for ten days before they let you do anything. So it was just not possible to run a trip. Nobody was going to go ten, quarantine for ten days, right? So my trips got canceled. You know we had to cancel, and then uh, I had an invitation to go to South Africa. So the next day that my trips got canceled, I said, you know what? I'm not going to sit here at home. I have twenty days without without anything planned. So the next day I bought a plane ticket, and two days later I was on a flight to South Africa. Um, awesome. So I, I, you know, and by myself, you know, to go scout a location, to go shoot over there. And that's when I found out about Simanga, the place I was telling you guys earlier about, you know, the, 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 the highs that are so phenomenal. So, yeah, I kind of, you know, on a whim sometimes, you know, uh, something, you know, somebody tells me, hey, you need to check this out. And then I have the time and it's like, you know, I have the time now. I might not have it tomorrow. Let's go. <laughs> so I've been known to buy tickets to fly the next day to go somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, because again, you know, again, you know, for for me, time is a you know, it's it's a it's a big commodity. I don't have a lot of it, so when I do have it, I take advantage of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, with doing all those like wildlife blinds and hides, it's like you plan out those kind of shots. But yeah, sometimes it's just great to hop on a plane and have like some sort of impromptu trip. Oh no, definitely, definitely. Again, it keeps it interesting. You know, it keeps it interesting. It keeps that drive going to keep doing this. Uh, um, you know, uh, for me, it's easy because I love I love what I do. I love this. So, but still, you know, it keeps it interesting. It keeps it keeps my you know my I guess my juices flowing and and wanting to become a better photographer and wanting to do you know create new new work that I don't currently have or 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 getting better at this you know because even though I've been doing it as long as I have and now I'm doing it professionally and now I'm I'm teaching and all that stuff I mean I can still grow I you know I'm still growing I'm still getting better by the day and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, nobody's perfect I don't care how long you've been doing this you can always still grow and I tell my clients a lot of times I learn as much from you as you learn from me sometimes because it's the sharing of ideas you know. 
my workflow and the way I do, the way I shoot is little bits and pieces I've learned along my journey as a photographer. Okay, I like the way he does this, so I've incorporated that into my workflow or incorporated that into the way I shoot. I like the way she does this. And, you know, so the way I shoot and the way I process my images, it's a combination of things I've learned in my, you know, my in these last 15 years that I've been doing this, you know, full time. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, sometimes I learn as much from my clients as I do from me, you know. And that's the beauty of these photo trips. Uh, it's the share, it's the it's the networking and the sharing of idea between participants, instructors, and participants between themselves, um, that make us all better photographers. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not a linear path too. Like no, 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 goes on a different not. path, and definitely, yeah, it's, not. it's a great point there for yeah. sure. And, and one of the things I always tell my clients, and one of the ways I teach is because people will ask me, you know, should I shoot manual mode? Should I shoot aperture? And I, I you know, I'm a big believer in. If the final product is there, I don't care how you got there. In photography, you can get there multiple ways. Shooting manual, shooting aperture, you know, not P, of course, but, you know, shooting shutter party. So I don't care how you got there as long as you're getting there. Now, if you're not getting there, now we have to look at what you're doing to make you get there, right? You know, if the final result is not there, okay, then we have to look at it. But if it's there, who am I to tell you don't shoot that way because I shoot differently? No, by no means. Your results there. I don't care how you got there, as long as you're getting there. So uh, you know, it's um, you know, I'm going to teach you how I do it, and then if you like it, you incorporate it into the way you shoot, or maybe mm-hmm. incorporate a certain part of it, maybe not the whole of it. But that's up to you. I'm going to teach you how I do it, but I'm not going to tell you that that's the only way, um, yeah. because because it's not. You know, uh, we all we're all different. Some people's mm-hmm. brains work different than others. So, and you know, that's how I learned photography. I've never taken a photography class in my life. I learned from learning from people in the field with, with, with the same interest I have. And, you know, I like the way, you know, like I said earlier, I like the way he did this. So I incorporated that and that works for me. This does not work for me and so on and so forth. And that's how I, that's how I shoot now. You know, that's how I learned how to shoot with, uh, from being out in the field, practicing with, 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 with other, with other photographers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're out there almost like just exchanging ideas of just how to take better photographs, which I think is the beauty of it really too. And, you know, plus with digital, and maybe maybe you found this to be a case, Hector, is like you might go back at like your older images from years ago and see how much you've improved since then. I am a huge believer in going back and looking at your old work. Yes. Um, because we learn from it, you know. Uh, on my newsletter, uh, I have a monthly newsletter that goes out to clients and people that follow me. Uh, I remember writing an article about that, you know. Going back, go back to the images that you took five, six, seven, even longer ago. And see where you where you have progressed. You know, see what you know what you have done, and that just enforces what you've done. And that just enforces and and really drills it in, uh, so that you can understand. Okay, you know, yes, what I'm doing now works better than what I was doing back then. So um, I agree with you there. It's you know going back to your old images and seeing what you were doing back then compared to what you're doing now. Yeah, for yeah, sure. that's awesome. Yeah. So. As you've mentioned, you know you spent a lot of time out in the field. Um, I know this is going to be a hard question. You, you don't have to answer it if it's too hard. But what okay. is some of your favorite in the field um, stories or memories? Oh God, I have quite a few. <laughs> to be honest with you, narrow down to like one or two, maybe. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh God. Um, I'm going to say maybe the the first time I went to Africa, the first time I went to, to Kenya and getting out on the Mara and realizing that it is a Mecca for wildlife photography and everything that we saw and everything that we got to photograph. Um, I was like a kid in the candy store. I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, it was just so thrilling to be out there and, and everything that we were seeing. I'm a lover of cats, so of course, photographing the cheetahs, the you know the the lions, uh, you know the the leopards. Um, mm-hmm. It it was just uh, to the point that I, I I you know I said I don't care what I do, I need to come back to Africa every year. Uh, if I could move there, I'm, I've moved there. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. Uh, so so I'm gonna say that was probably one. Now one question I do get asked a lot is what is my favorite subject to photograph. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love everywhere I go. Don't get me wrong. And uh, you know all the locations that I travel to, 
but photographing mountain gorillas for me is just an experience mm. like like no other. Uh, yeah. For many for many reasons, you know how hard it is to get to them, how few of them are left. Once mm -hmm. you're with them, you realize how close they are. You know, we're a couple chromosomes away from each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so that whole experience, it's probably my favorite subject to photograph. Uh, not that I don't like, you know, like I said, I love cats. I love to photograph cats. The reason my logo is a cheetah is because I love cheetahs. I love bobcats. I love, you know, anything that any, any cat, you know, so I love photographing cats as well. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, top experiencing top experiences as a wildlife photographer, of course, my first time in Africa, that was pretty special. Uh, the other one is when I discovered uh, early, early on in my photography, when I discovered, uh, you know, instead of going to state parks to photograph, going on private land and using pre-existing blinds. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that, that really opened up my eyes and I said, oh, my God, I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> All this yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, so that was probably another big one. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just the different experiences that, you know, that, that have happened along the way, you know, being... Uh, I remember one year we were photographing up in Rocky Mountain National Park, and uh, this was not very smart on our part. We got so into the photography that we, you know, we we're doing the elk rut, and uh, we're photographing this, this, uh, you know, this elk bull up in this beautiful meadow, and he's bugling. You know, he's got all these cows around it, and all of a sudden, we hear this bugle, and it's right behind us. Oh my and gosh! I turn, <laughs> and I turn around, and there's this ginormous bull, maybe 15 feet away from us. And we're between the two bulls, and not a single tree to get behind. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you know? So you know, so we had we, we we basically got tunnel vision. We got you know, and it was four of us. It's me and three three of my photography buddies. Uh, and uh, thank God it was not clients. It was me and my friends. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we're like, okay, but this is not good. We're in trouble here. But luckily, you know, and 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 this bull was showing some aggressive behavior. Ears were down. He was nodding his head. And I said, okay, we're gonna, we're, we're about to get run over here. But luckily, no, he kind of went around us and we just kind of easily slow our way back to where the tree line was. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, but experiences like that, right? I don't know, that, that was a little on the scary side, but just experiences like that, that kind of just bring back, uh, you know, good memories of being out in the field, uh, mm -hmm. you know, getting, you know, going out and just having a, a phenomenal day of activity. And, uh, and again, you know, the, the, the images to me is the final prize, but the whole experience to me, it, that's what makes it for me. Again, I've been, you know, I've been an outdoorsman my entire life. When I, you know, I'm born and raised in Honduras, so I've been in nature for, you know, my entire life. And when I moved to Texas as a, you know, in my late teens, I fell in love with the South Texas brush and I fell in love with everything associated with the outdoors. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what makes it for me, you know, just being out in the field, uh, capturing, you know, capturing, uh, you know, wildlife that I, you know, that I truly enjoy watching and observing. And uh, again, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's, the whole process basically is what what makes it for me yep yeah you really have to realize that it's the observation first and then once you observe oh, no, def definitely definitely photos and 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 you become a better photographer you know uh what you know uh, one of the webinars that i teach is becoming a better wildlife photographer and a big part of that is observing and understanding and and knowing your subject you know uh, understanding what, you know, if you don't know how your subject acts or reacts or what they do at a certain time of year, you're not going to capture that behavior. You're not going to capture that specific image that you're after. Uh, you know, wildlife knowledge and wildlife behavior knowledge, is, it's, a, it's a huge part of what we do as wildlife photographers and understanding what happens, how these, you know, how these subjects react and how the wildlife react, uh, and also how to do it properly without putting pressure on them, without disturbing them. Uh, making it safe that you know that you're safe and not only you know, you're safe but also your subject no image is worth it if you're putting a subject in in harm's way or you're stressing out a subject you know that's one thing i teach quite a bit uh i'm a true believer in leaving no foot no 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 mark leaving no footsteps behind and uh, so that whole challenge of being able to do this doing it ethically doing it right uh keeping you know yourself safe and of course keeping your subject safe well it's all part of the process and that's what i enjoy yeah, conservation is a big part of your work, you'd say. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I work. Uh, I work with Texas Parks and Wildlife. I'm an ambassador for Texas Parks and Wildlife, and um, I've done. You know, I've done quite a bit of projects with them. From the We Will Not Be Tame ambassadorship with them. So yes, I do believe uh, I'm a huge believer in conservation. For example, our ranch has a conservation easement on the property that brush will never be torn down, and the property will stay like that forever. It's a federal conservation easement put on there. 
to uh, to make sure that uh, that brush and that habitat never goes away. Uh, so yes, I'm a true believer in conservation, and I work with you know a lot of the people that I work in uh, international with. Uh, Costa Rica is a good example. Uh, the Quebec people, which is the Quetzal people, you know they're huge conservationists about you know making sure that the habitat is uh, not touched and that the birds that we photograph are safe. And uh, so that's yeah, that's a big part of what I do. Awesome, yeah. It's really, I think, important part, especially with most wildlife photographers. I mean, some can just, you can take images on their own, of course, of wildlife, that's great. But, like, when you really add the extra, almost, like, dimension to the work, too, it really just, you know, provides a whole new storytelling, I guess, meaning Correct. to it. Correct. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, shifting gears here, I know, because photography is, you know, it's all about the gear, I guess, and it's, in a sense. Um, what kind of gear do you <laughs> use for the, the shots that you take? Okay, I'm a, I shoot Sony. I'm a, uh, I am a uh, Sony Pro, um, and um, I'm primarily a prime lens user and a fixed lens user. I shoot with a, most of my work uh, is with either a 500 or a 600. When I shot Nikon before I switched back to Sony, I, I shot mostly with my 500 prime, and now I shoot mostly with my 600. Um, so um, not that I'm against zoom lenses, it's just that I just like the quality of a prime lens better. You know? Uh, yeah. quality-wise. Uh, mm -hmm. If you look at my work, you're going to find out really quickly that I love good backgrounds. <laughs> I'll go halfway across the world, and if the backgrounds are not there, I don't <laughs> right. So, wow. to me, backgrounds are just as important as the subject itself, and of course, I get better backgrounds with a prime lens. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah. I'm primarily a prime lens shooter. Yeah. I don't know if you'd say for blinds, but like a prime, you know, is kind of optimal there because you kind of optimize the distance and everything with that so. correct and 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 that's why I, you know and that's why i shoot uh that's why my photography is mostly with a fixed lens because i position myself correctly for the lens that i'm using you know mm -hmm. uh because i'm using blinds i'm using decks i'm not you know not don't get me wrong i do go out into the bay sometimes to do shorebirds and yes you know sometimes i have to put a converter on or sometimes i'm just too far away but ideally i i go to locations where the distances are are set to what the type of lens that I'm gonna be using, um, and uh, and the other thing too. I mean, sometimes you know I'm with a 600 and I'm shooting small birds and something big comes in. I like the challenge of okay, I have a subject now that does not fit on this lens. I have too much glass. How can I get an image, maybe some kind of an intimate portrait or some kind of abstract? Work the. I'm a big believer, and I teach this a lot. Is work the lens that's on your hand because you don't have time to put that lens down, grab the other one, because by then your subject's gone or the, or what's happening is over, right? So uh, I like to, you know, if something happens that I have too much glass, you know, I'll work it because if I know that if I put that, that lens down and I start looking for my other one, if it's in my bag or whatever, by the time I pull it out and get it ready, you know, whatever's happening is over. So uh, I'm a big believer in working the lens that you have in your hand. And uh, so, you know, if you look at some of my Africa work, for example, some of the elephant, you know, when I'm photographing elephants and I'm photographing them with a 600, I can barely, you know, I can barely fit their head in, much less the whole body. And uh, I just like to work those nice abstracts, those nice perspectives of, you know, working the curves, working different things of, of some intimate portraits like that. Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, I like to use, I like, you know, I like the lens that I have in my, I'm using the hand, which is normally my 600. Right. Um, so uh, I'm a big believer in support. I'm always in some kind of support, tripod, monopod, ground pod, bean bag. I rarely handhold, rarely. I mean, uh, you will not see me handholding pretty much anywhere. I mean, it's, it's very rare that you'll see me handholding. I'm a big believer in using a support because I use big glass, you know, <laughs> and it's hard to hold big glass. So, uh, and again, I shoot mostly from decks, blinds, established locations, vehicles. You know things mm -hmm. like that so uh, i'm always on some kind of support uh, i don't hike chasing stuff so you know uh, I'm, I'm always carrying my you know my my support being it you know a tripod or a monopod or a beanbag or something like that um and um you know i'm um if you look at my cameras you know the way my cameras are set up i really don't do much uh you know i know nowadays you know the you know i shoot the sony a1 and it has so many custom functions and so, so many custom menus and so many custom buttons that you can assign. I'll be honest with you guys, I really don't do none of that. I basically set my back button focus, I turn the focusing modes I don't like off, and that's it. 
<laughs> I'm old school. I mean, I shoot manual and that's it. I don't need I don't need a special button for a different focus mode. You know, it's I'm old school. I just shoot, you know. Um so I'm not very technical in in, in terms of how, how to, you know, I know how to use my camera, don't get me wrong, but you know, in terms of, you know, you know, you, we all have that friend that has every button on that camera programmed to do a different thing, right? Uh I don't do that. I basically set a couple things. Like I say, my, I set up my back button focus. I do on my menu so I can get to the menu items that I use a lot. I turn some focusing modes off that I don't need, and that's really. Um, so you know, I I just I just shoot manual and I just change my settings as needed, right? I mean, it seems like it's working for you. So definitely, it, it, it's working. So why change it if it's not broken, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Less fussing around with the you know the buttons, of course. And, you know, like yeah, you said, the you know, burst have... flies away. Yeah. I have clients and I have friends that tell me, oh, you know what? If you set this button to do this, and you're like, eh, that's too much information, bro. You know what? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna confuse me here, you know? Because because then I'm thinking, okay, which button did he say you need to? Nah, mm -hmm. I'll just I just shoot full manual and I just change as needed. Yeah, back button focus <laughs> is the only priority I would say or requirement. No, yeah, no back button focus <laughs> is a priority. And again, uh, these cameras, especially these new mirrorless cameras, they have like 50 different focusing modes. So of course I turn off the ones I don't use because I don't want to be toggling through all of those to get to the ones I like. Right. So I'll go in there and I'll turn the focusing modes that I don't use. I just leave the ones that I like, and that way when I go from one to the other, I can easily find them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. And that's interesting. You know, you said kind of experimenting too with your gear. Like you've probably gotten all the standard portraits over the years, and you know now you have more time to kind of look into those more unique shots. No, definitely. You know, it's it's one thing that I, one question or one comment that I get a lot, you know, is like, for example, when I shoot in South Texas, especially at the ranch, they'll tell me, Hector, you've been at the ranch 12 years. Aren't you bored? No, no, I'm not bored. Every day is different. Every day is different. Every day I'm looking for something different to shoot or a unique perspective or a unique image. Uh, I'm not bored, you know. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's some stuff I don't shoot anymore because, again, I have plenty. But... Uh, but I'm not bored because I'm always I'm always out there, you know. And even when I'm out there shooting with clients, you know, I'll still shoot, uh, you know, our, our common stuff, Green Jays, Cardinals. And to be honest with you guys, I might not even do anything with those images. I might just do them and not even download them. But again, I'm building that mental memory, right? But we talked earlier. I'm practicing. I'm learning. I'm getting better at, you know, switching from, you know, 1,200 of a second to 4,000 of a second in a matter of a knowing how many clicks I need to turn that wheel. So I'm building that mental memory. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting that practice I need to become better by shooting a subject that I already have a ton of stuff of, but I'm still out there shooting. I'm, I gotta be out there with my client, why not, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I'm not bored, you know, even though I've been there for 12 years. I'm not, um, uh, I enjoy every time I'm out there, you know, by myself or with a client. Yeah, and with the digital age too, it doesn't cost any money. It doesn't cost anything. That's right. You know, it's not going to hurt me. You know, uh, yeah. so yeah, no, I don't, I don't. And or people will say, "You've been going to this location for many years. Aren't you tired?" No, of course not. It's, uh, every year is different. I mean, I can. I'll give you an example. Today, uh, today at the we do we we have a photo blind that we use here to photograph cranes. This afternoon was fantastic. We had cranes with young ones. We had cranes calling. Yesterday, wouldn't have none of that. So from one day to the next, it can change. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's, um, I don't get tired of going out at locations that I've been there many, many, no, because every day is different. As a wildlife photographer, and you guys know, it's, every day is different. Mm -hmm, every sure. day gives you different opportunity. Every day you'll see some unique behavior that you didn't see before, or, you know. So, no, I don't get tired, even though I've been going to some of these locations for Right. Yeah. Especially, or even over the years, like just seeing habitats change, uh, hopefully for the better at least. But yeah, same with that, where you just got like the same kind of species that you may be photographing, but you know, the, the creative, you know, possibilities are really endless too. Correct. You know, and, and, and I, I know I, I say this all the time. I rather photograph a cardinal, which is a very common subject in great conditions that are than a rare bird in bad conditions. You know, I'm not going to yeah. go hike 10 miles to go photograph a rare bird backlit with twigs in the way 50 feet higher than that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm uh, not. I mean, not it's, that's, that's, not point for, that's not fun for me. But I'll photograph a cardinal in perfect conditions all day long. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll get a unique perspective. I'll get a unique behavior, a beautiful wing flare, you know, uh, one flying or landing with a perfect background, perfect, you know, golden light coming up front. I'll do that every day, all day long. 
before I go and photograph a rare bird in bad conditions. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so you know, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great attitude, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's wrong to do the other thing. I mean, everybody has different interests, right? There's some people that it's all about the rarities, right? And that's fine. You know, I'm not saying that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's not me. I mean, yeah, uh, and some people yeah, do. You, yeah. like, um, you know, like Ray Hennessy, those kind of people. They like backlit. You know, it's just kind of comes down to your style. You know, what what you're trying to do. You know, rather you're trying to do kind of more of an artsy shot, documentation. You know, it's kind of all. And there's the- nothing. And, and there's nothing wrong with documentation shots. Again, you know, everybody's different. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, it's just not how I shoot. Uh, I, I have friends that love to go, oh, we, you know, there's a report of a, you know, Amazon Kingfisher here in Texas, which is very rare. And they'll drive 10 hours to go photograph this guy in some horrible conditions, but they come back happy as ever because they got to see him. And that's perfect. They're having fun. And that's what matters, right? But that's them, you know, you know, everybody's different. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right or I'm right or they're wrong. It's just everybody's different. For me, it's, it's about getting that perfect light perfect background perfect perspective i don't care if it's something as common as a cardinal i'll do that all day long <laughs> yeah for sure yeah yeah it's, it's all about i guess your approach with it really yeah it is no it is mm-hmm. you know yeah. and, uh, and so i mean and again it, it's everybody's different and that's that's how i like to shoot that's what that's what drives me is just trying to get that you know that that uh, that unique image, even though it's a common subject, but very unique image that might not be, you know, yeah. photographing a common subject in a way that is not normally photographed. That, that's kind of what I'm after. Well, yeah. that's that's yeah, and keep up uh, the great work. It's amazing your workshops, your your photos. It's spectacular. So thank you, sir. Thank you. So, appreciate that. Yeah, much appreciated. And, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, so where's the best place for people to look at your work? A uh, couple places. Uh, I would say to see the most of my work, you can find me on Instagram. And then uh, Instagram is uh, my name, Hector underscore Astorga underscore photography. Uh, if you just, you know, if you just search Hector Astorga photography, it'll come right up. Uh, you know, a lot of my work gets posted on Instagram. And then if you want to find out a little bit more about me and my workshops and the things that I do, it, that would be on my website. And my website is also my name. It's HectorAstorga.com. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, both of those will be linked down below as well for anybody who's interested. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Hector. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. It's always great to talk to uh, fellow photographers. You as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching the All Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.